Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Baseball season came to a close yesterday, and uh, we will review, recap some of the interesting happenings as we finally have the pairings, if you will, set for uh, not March Madness, but let's call it October Madness as the uh, the finals of the baseball playoffs in both American League, National League. The matchups are set. Some interesting happenstances yesterday. We'll talk about some individual performances. The Big Dog will kind of put a little... Little recap on the season with a philosophical, if not analytical, approach to the game. We'll also take a sneak peek at the football games coming up this weekend. And the political debate as Romney knocks out Obama in round one. A little bit of music, and then we'll kick the sucker off. Down goes Obama. Yes, indeed. Let me welcome in my partner, my good partner, my outstanding partner, a man, well, who really needs no introduction. So that's what we'll give him, no introduction. The big dog, Joel Redwanski, on the other side of the line. Big dog, how are you, buddy? My mouth is totally full, folks. <laughs> I should have kept the intro going a little bit longer, huh? Um, what, what are you eating? There, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. At least uh, give me a... I'm eating a shrimp salad. That doesn't do it for me. Shrimp salad. I tell you something. When I uh, I not want a Ugh. camera coat, so I'm going to start giving out health tips. Ten o'clock in the morning. Shrimp salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a lot. You know, the, you say yuck, huh? You say yuck. Yeah, yuck. There's what's a lot of with, good. What's sh- wrong with what's wrong with shrimp I'm, and spinach and carrots it's, and cherries and almonds at o'clock in the morning. It's outstanding. It's just not uh, a ten o'clock in the morning food. It's just my personal perspective. But the, but now that you described it in Toto, how much mayonnaise is in that shrimp salad? Zero. There you go. There you go. I, Let me just olive, olive oil and uh, a balsamic type vinegar that really love it. Put in there. Love it. See that, that that's outstanding. And if I could, before we start breaking down the 162-game regular season that was 2012 Major League Baseball. Let me just throw out, uh, you know, to the all the potato salad, macaroni salad, tuna salad, and shrimp salad people out there at delicatessens, at restaurants, at grocery stores, stop with the mayonnaise. You got a delicious product? I'm a huge potato salad fan. But what is with the gobs of mayonnaise making the thing disgusting? The way you described it, Big Dog, very, very good. Easy. Easy on the mail. That would be my number one message this morning. Thank you. Uh, yeah, by the way, if it doesn't have any leaves of lettuce or spinach in it, it's not a salad, okay? It's a good point. And I got to say, potato salad is the worst thing on the freaking planet for you. First of all, it's got white potatoes in it, which is gonna, has no nutritional value besides a little niacin, but the problem is they, they peel off the skins before they get into you, and that's where all the niacin is. Mm-hmm. And it's like the thing that will make the only thing that makes you fatter in the world faster than a white potato is white rice. So when you say a white potato, you're talking about your basic uh, baked potato. Yeah, exactly. All right, I would 
I'm going to get a feeling some of our potato fans out there and some of our great potato growers. You know what? I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about what you think. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about some of our potato growers that listen to the show. They might take issue with you. It wasn't about me. It was about the potato people. Go right ahead. Potatoes (laughs) make you fat. Okay? That's all i got to tell the people. Okay? What would... It just you know, it's it's always healthy to take the other side of the air. What would a potato farmer out there, if they were listening, how would they respond to that? What would be the backlash? Or, or you're basically saying they're all frauds? No, well, I would say it's, it's, uh, the product that we have is delicious. You drown it in a bunch of hydrogenated uh, uh, oil, and then uh, after about ten, come out as French fries and they're absolutely delicious. And they'll say we could care less that. We have no nutritional value because, quite frankly, our product is addictive. So they, they can really just shrug their shoulders. They'll be like, well, we're targeting fat, lazy people. We're not mm-hmm. targeting people that actually are health conscious and actually worry about what they put in their bodies. So Interesting. They, would, they wouldn't even say anything to me. Trust me, I'm not the first, I'm, I'm not the, the first expert or blah, blah, blah that ever said that a potato was bad for you. David Olson, so if you could, uh, Google up benefits... Nutritional benefits of the potato, but uh, Big Dog, uh, the rice that you have so often gone against as we start off the show, uh, again, our baseball recap show with a little nutrition. Have you seen the latest scandalous yeah, info on rice? Uh, rice has an extremely high level of arsenic in yes. it. Yes. And if you eat too much white rice, it'll kill you. And particularly, well, let's not get, that's a little bit exaggeration, but... Uh, particularly with with uh, parents feeding young kids, babies, That's rice. Really it is, is you know the levels of arsenic definite concern, and I think that was true of brown rice too. It wasn't just white rice, but the brown rice growers of America. Yeah, you're right, coach. It is. Yeah. Right, there's, there's Unfortunately, the brown, brown rice was even worse. Brown rice is so what we thought, and maybe it still is healthy for an adult. But you got to be careful. Are the brown rice growers of America, Big Dog, different than the white rice growers? They're two different coalitions. Yeah, hopefully one day they'll all be able to get along. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, goodness. All right. Are you, are you all done with the shrimp salad, or are you still, like, in mid-feet? No, no. I, I just I was in the middle of uh, middle of mouse shove. I try not to eat while we're doing the program. All right. A, I'll try to try to tie. seven-color high-protein salad. <laughs> I'll try to time my questions so I don't get you with a mouthful here. But uh, we got a mouthful of stuff to go over today. I want to preview some of the football games tomorrow, of course. We'll get into it down and dirty with a football Friday. But uh, we'll, you know, we'll preview a little bit college and pro football, particularly good college football weekend coming. But right now we'll throw some baseball stuff at you, Big Dog. Yeah, and before... Because we really messed up yesterday, Coach, if you, if you realize this. I don't, yesterday, actually. Yesterday, uh, I did not realize it was my fault because the day before, the Angels, excuse me, the Rangers and the A's were in a real close game, and I fell asleep and did not realize the A's won, which made it a tie at the top of the American League West and did not realize it. So yesterday, the Angels, excuse me, the A's and the Rangers were playing to see who the division champion was going to be. It was like right after our show. That was an extremely important game. It wasn't mm-hmm. a good game whatsoever. The A's blew them out of the freaking yeah. water. But it was like we did not even mention it. And to be quite honest with you, Coach, I thought that the A's had lost the night before and the game didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that ends up being a huge – we talked about the whole uh, whether you get into the elimination series or the elimination game, and that was a 
huge yeah. loss for the Texas Rangers, who were in first place since yeah. when, Coach? Like April 10th? Yeah, almost the entire season. It's 130 days, something like that. But uh, And again, just to put it in prefaces, last year, Big Dog, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because it's nice to win the division, but bottom line is wild card, you're still at a best of five. Well, you know, in a, in the, what, the, what the records were, they, uh, it would have been a massive deal last year because did Baltimore win, win their game yesterday, they lose. Because they still would have had a one-game playoff. The Rangers would have a one-game playoff with Baltimore because they'd have exactly the same record as Baltimore, who are the wild-card team. So oh, because, oh yeah, you're right, playoff. you're right, because last so year. It's funny, is last, they, they try to be all cute this year and come up with a new way to do the wild card, and technically it would have ended up exactly the way it did last year in the American League. Interesting. Interesting. I, I haven't heard a lot of the pundits, a lot of the talk show. Are people firing as we are, Big Dog? And, uh, again, baseball fans out there, you want to comment, 888-463-6748. But uh, is there as much animosity towards the one-game um I don't know if you want to call it a playoff, the one-game the one game elimination game. Uh, are other people hating it as much as we are, Big Dog? No. I, I, honestly, Coach, you know, I don't, have a, I don't have a television. Everything that I get on my sports is through my phone where I read on it. And if I read, like, editorial things, I like to read stuff on the actual gameplay. And then once I, I get people start complaining about that, I don't even pay attention to any of that. So I am the last person mm-hmm. in terms of, okay. yes, I can tell you who won who the great players are, I watch as much as I possibly can, but mm-hmm. the editorial notes on baseball well, I have not been keeping up on. All right, I would be interested to know any of our fans out there can give us a better gist of it because I, I, similar to you, I have not been able to follow that grain of it. I'd be curious to know. I will tell you this. Huh? Sorry, Coach. I, I definitely, we need the phone number, but we'll save the phone number for this. I knew of this. Players have been complaining. Yeah. So, like it's a fraud. Chipper, jo- Chipper a fraud. Jones, uh, what was it, about a month ago, right, came out very yeah. strong? Mm-hmm. even before he knew how it was going to end. Bottom line is, the Baltimore Orioles have a phenomenal season. Congrats to them. They don't quite beat the Yankees at the end of it. Texas. Texas has a great season. 93-67. They bottomed out at the end. They had a five-game five game lead over the A's with 12 days left. And it dissipated. That's unbelievable. Bottom line is, is, you win 93 games, Big Dog. That's good enough to get yourself in a minimum two out of three, ideally best three out of five for a shot at going to the World Series. you got two teams that played outstanding baseball for five months of the season, one and done game, one bad performance, and it's over. It's not fair. But you know you, you know what's going on at the beginning of the year, and, and the Raiders have only have themselves to blame because they were in first place every single day in the month of September. Yep. You know what I mean? And every day in the month of August. I don't remember the last time the Rangers weren't in first place, Coach. So, uh, to, to be quite honest, I understand about the Mets, and I agree with you, but these guys, they they knew it coming in. I, I don't like the setup. I don't, I don't mind the one-game playoff deal because technically 10 teams make the playoffs and you need eight, so that's how they trim it down. I just wish they didn't have so many divisions. If you're going to make winning a division so incredible, we should have more division winners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or less division winners. That's yeah. that's that's my problem with the whole yeah. with, the, with the whole way it's set up. Yeah, that's been a theme for you and me uh, for many a many years, not just in baseball, but in a lot of sports. But uh, let let us just review with the Texas Rangers who lost that lead that they had basically for the entire season. Big though, let us not forget the fact that the last two years they were on the cusp, and last year you can't cusp it any closer. You know, Literally, 
one pitch, one strike away from winning it all twice. They've been to the World Series so close. This was the year they were going to get over the top. They were the favorites for most of the year, and now they're one game away from not really even being part of the dance. So that's a dramatic turn for the Texas Ranger. You know, you you asked me yesterday which pitching staff, which team is the hottest, you know, to, to make it to the playoffs. And, the you know, I said the Reds and the A's. I did. I thought the A's were still a game back. We're going to pass the Rangers. If you think about who has won the World Series over the last couple <laughs> of years, Cardinals, ridiculously hot at the end. Giants, ridiculously hot at the end. 2009 was the Yankees. They just had the like the freaking Hall of Fame lineup. 2008, the Phillies got ridiculously hot. And 2007, the Red Sox went crazy hot in September. They took on the Cardinals. The Colorado Rockies, which were a bad team, but they had the hottest streak ever in the history of baseball to get there. 2006, the Cardinals were 83 and 80 or 79, barely make the playoffs, and they had to fight their way to get in. They win the World Series. In 2005, the White Sox cruised all season in the last two weeks of the season. Remember, they had that little hiccup, and all of a sudden, they had to play phenomenal the last 10 days in order to make it. They win the World Series. 2004 was the same thing with the Red Sox. They played great baseball in September. Like, get the wild card, barely get the wild card, and actually, you know, they win the the World Series. So what I'm telling you right now is the Oakland A's are the team to beat right now. Wow. Wow. If wow. You look at, Down if you look goes at, the Texas Rangers. If you look at everything that has happened in baseball over the last seven or eight seasons, mm-hmm. the way this tournament is set up, the Oakland A's, Look, look like they're the team to beat in the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you yesterday. You sort of had uh, good feelings about uh, Dusty Baker and the Cincinnati. Actually, it wasn't Dusty Baker. It was the Cincinnati Reds. And just the way their pitching is set up is awfully good for a, a, a division series. I mean, I'm sure NBC David Olson would be thrilled, media critic David Olson, about a Cincinnati-Oakland World Series. <laughs> hey, real quick, dog, before we... We've uh, had one of those. In 1972, we had that. Okay. The year I was born, it was a great year. Coach. That was the big red machine, right? Yes, but the A's won. The white shoed uh, Joe Rudy and That was the, Char- the, 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 the... The A's, I'm pretty sure they beat the Dodgers in 74, the Mets in 73, and I'm pretty sure they beat... I'm, they, I know them. Pretty sure they, they beat the Reds in 73. Gene Tennis, your MVP in that particular series? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gene Tennis still playing. Yep. It was Bell Bando. Sal Bando, Dick Green over at second base was a now Campy Campaneris was gone at that point I think, but that was that was the whole white shoe the bad boys right they were the bad boys yeah. of baseball yeah okay they had twenty five separate calves is what they called that team yep yep all right real quick before we uh, get too indulged into the team stuff and I want to go over the matchups here uh, you know we're not going to overdo it here but real quick I want to throw some individual things out and I'm going to finish with the triple crown but there's some other just quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but quick things of notoriety here as the season comes to an end. One, Bobby Valentine, manager of the Red Sox, that thing exploded big time. The bomb went off yesterday, big dog, where Valentine basically criticizes assistant coach. He's probably going to be fired today. A one and done for Bobby Valentine of the Red Sox. You know what, though? Not bad. You know, if you <laughs> if you want to get paid a lot of money and not do anything, get hired by the Red Sox. They fire you in a year when they you, you realize you can't handle the pressure of play uh, of managing in Boston, and they still have to pay you for two more years after that when you mm-hmm. sit around and do nothing. Think he'll will he be cut back into his announcing or? 
He was so bad, Coach. I, I could not watch Bobby Valentini because okay. he's just a pain in the ass. I couldn't watch him on ESPN. <laughs> ESPN hires him back. They're basically, yeah. they, they should just realize, you know what, he doesn't need any favors. Yep. He's already had, he should be managing somewhere. He really is a yeah. good manager. Well, maybe he he'll go back to Japan and they can throw him up in the air and, you know, that'll be another highlight for him. All right. Uh, number two, under the radar, but we got to mention this guy. I think it's deserved. Buster Posey. See, David Olson, our producer, a mid, mid-range baseball fan, probably not even aware. But Buster Posey wins the National League batting title uh, one year. It wasn't three years ago. It was last year when he got completely busted up at home, played major reconstructive surgery. And Big Dog, uh, again, under the radar, but i got to throw some kudos out to Buster Posey. He comes back quietly and has a phenomenal year. Yeah, even though Melky Cabrera technically yes. would have won all that blah, 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 he, the smart thing is he comes out and says, I don't want any part of it. And uh, Buster Posey is the real deal. In 2010, he was a rookie who had been moved to catcher, and he ended up being one of the better defensive catchers in baseball. Think about that, Coach. Think about being a shortstop your whole life. Mm-hmm. And then his senior year at Florida State, they move you to catcher. And then two years later, two years later, you're the catcher of a World Series champion. I mean, if you said that, oh, he was a center fielder and he did that, a very tough defensive position, I'd say I can see it happening. The idea that a kid could be switched to catcher and then he wins a world championship as a catcher, like within three seasons, it's one of the most mind-boggling things. This guy right now, if you think about the, the, the state of baseball that we're in, there are. This is like the mid 1950s when all of a sudden Duke Schneider, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle just dropped in our lap. Mike Trout, um, uh, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Buster Posey right now are going to be. We are literally looking at some of the greatest players that have ever played the game. I'm not kidding. I'm not over exaggerating. And they're only in their early 20s. 15 years from now, we're going to look back at those three and be like. Wow, we were really privileged to watch these kids play. And Buster Posey's one of them. He wins the batting title. And last year at this time, he was complaining on the couch that there's way too many, that he got hit by somebody that had no reason yeah. to run him over. Well, I don't know if he was complaining, but a lot of people said, I mean, yeah, he was, right. that he yeah. was shattered and that, you know, he might never come back and be the same type of player. Well, it didn't take him three, four years. <laughs> the next season, he comes back and is able to win the batting title. So, uh, that, 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 that catcher coach. Yep. That's, it's just, yep. it's, it's really first, cool. First but. catcher to win a batting title in 45 years? Could that be? Uh, I thought it was more than that because wow. even though, because, uh, Mike Piazza in 1997 had one of the greatest seasons ever for anybody at any position. He hit 362 with, with like 38 homers. It's, it's the greatest offensive year ever in the history of catcher. But, uh, but Larry Walker won the batting title that year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Ernie Lombardi is the last guy wow. to win a batting title coach. Wow. And that was in the 1930s. I think it's more like 70 years. Like I said, under the radar for Buster Posey, one hell of a season for the young Giants catcher. And there are a couple of Cub fans who have emailed in, and they're a little critical of you for not mentioning Josh Vitters or Brett Jackson amongst your uh, future stars in Major League Baseball. Never mind. All right, uh, can we move on to another point number three in my little uh, titillating tidbits, news and nonsense of the baseball season? Also under the radar, but also worth mentioning, Big Dog. He went through the whole year National League MVP last year, but he went through the positive steroid test and had to battle through all that. We mentioned at the start of the year is a hell of a lot of pressure 
on Ryan Braun, because if he comes in this season and he does not play well, everybody's going to say the year before, and the previous couple of years were steroid-induced. Look, now we proved it. Well, again, very quietly, Ryan Braun, he came close to the Triple Crown Big Dog, 41 homers, 112 RBIs, 320 batting average, top five under intense pressure, individual pressure. Kudos to Ryan Braun. Did we lose the Big Dog? I think we lost the big dog. That's why I didn't respond to the last one. <laughs> At any rate, Ryan Braun, phenomenal performance. Next up on the list. Next up on the list. And again, 888-463-6748 if you want to chime in. Big dog, we have temporarily lost. You want to play co-host to the show, you can do that. Uh, we have to mention a couple of uh, Chicago guys. Actually, one in a positive sense of one, uh, a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative, and that's Darwin Barney. You cannot forget the season Darwin Barney had unbelievable consistency. I think he made an error early, and then he came back and played uh, just incredible defense at second base. The consistency, he, he never did make an error. After that, I think, as we get the big dog back, uh, Darwin Barney, the streak is still going, right, big dog? I, I, I'm not I'm not sure if Darwin Barney's is. streak is not going. I can find out right now, right, though. Well, I, I don't want to spend the rest of the show on it. I just, before we conclude the season, uh, I you know, I love – Consistent high level of performance. You got to give credit to Darwin Barney throughout the season. Uh, did you hear my tirade? Not tirade, but my accolades to Ryan Braun, Big Dog. Yeah, I will not give any accolades to Ryan Braun. I don't Why care not? if he hit three nineteen. I don't care if he led. Uh, uh, well, he was. Probably, I know he's behind Chase Headley for RBIs in the. What, in the National what is League. your problem with Ryan Braun? I, I just I, I didn't like the way he threw the the. Administrator of the test under the bus last year, and I, it really bothered me the way he talked well, about the guy and, and treated him. I, I think he did cheat. I don't think he was. Oh well. I, I after, you, all I know is this: Major League Baseball afterwards was like, you know what? We don't agree with uh, the findings of the arbitrator. We're going to have to live by them. And by the way, the arbitrator's fired. That's said enough to me. Uh, if the, if, the if you was, believe guy, that he was cheating, then I completely agree with what you're saying. I totally believe he all was right, cheating. But so but I completely do. But if you don't. If he wasn't cheating, then Ryan Braun had every reason. Can you imagine having your breakout season, what you've worked for all your life, you finally make MVP, and then people are questioning you? I'd fire on the delivery guy, the experiment guy, the testing guy. I'd, I'd fire on anybody I could if, if in fact, I was innocent. And obviously, we'll never know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're ever going to truly know. Okay. All I know is he had a great season this year, Coach. Yep. And he really needed a great season in order not to yep. look like he was cheating last year. Yep. Doesn't mean he wasn't cheating this year. Okay. Uh, and and I, just the, his breakout year, you can call 2011 his MVP season, his breakout year. Matt mm-hmm. Kemp should have won the MVP last year. Uh, yeah. 2008 was a pretty good breakout year for Ryan Braun. Mm-hmm. Everybody realized that he was one of the best hitters in the game. Okay. Next up, uh, we threw the kudos to Darwin Barney. Adam Dunn, who uh, came back. Hit 41 homers, tremendous job there, but he struck out 222 times, Big Dog. He sat out yesterday's game. Otherwise, I think the Major League Baseball all-time record is 223. Adam Dunn was on the precipice of most strikeouts in the history of Major League Baseball. Yeah, it was, uh, and that strikeout record is by Mark Reynolds, uh, who had actually a pretty decent season. Adam Dunn at 225, uh, 222. Think about this, he had 110 hits. He had twice as many hits, I mean, strikeouts, as he did hits. That's not a good stat and just something to consider about, Coach, because when he was, you know, hitting 210 with a bunch of strikeouts in the first half, 
I defended him and said he's third in baseball in RBI. So it's okay if he strikes out that much. Well, he only ended up with 96, which means he had about 30 strikeouts in the second half. Adam Dunn had a very disappointing season once again. Let's, let's put it that way. Decent first half, horrible second half again for Adam Dunn. The White Sox still have to pay this guy two more years at $14 million a year. Mm-hmm. Unreal. He did raise his batting great. average 50 points at the 204, though. That's, right. that's, that's not bad. And finally, on the individual uh, accolades, now we get to the Triple Crown. It's amazing how the youth of today, uh, the, the kids barely even acknowledge it, probably aren't even aware of it. Older generation guys like us, Big Dog, appreciate the fact, at least we try to, but, uh, you know, Triple Crown, 40-something years, Carl Yastrzemski, 1967, amazing performance. He did, in fact, win the Triple Crown yesterday, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, yeah. un-freaking real, 330, 44 home runs, 139 driven in. He he just finished behind Buster Posey, or he'd have the Major League Triple Crown, not wow. just the American League uh, Triple Crown. Uh, yeah, you, I know you don't want to hear all the, the fantasy baseball talk, Coach, but I had the fourth pick in my league, which I absolutely dominated this year and won some money. I took Miguel Caprera and I like made fun of these guys. How could he not be the number one player taken this year when Prince Fielder is batting behind him? Out of curiosity, who were the three picked ahead? Um, Matt Kemp was definitely the number one player taken in my in my uh, Albert Pujols. Matt Kemp were definitely taken ahead of me. I think a kid took Jose Reyes because he was a shortstop, and I took Miguel Cabrera with the fourth pick. Okay. Uh, all I know is that worked out pretty well for me, Coach, this year. It worked out all right, considering. Now, it wasn't, yeah. to correct me if I want to make sure I've gotten the right guy now. We first, the national audience first came upon a Miguel Cabrera when he was like a 19-year-old kid playing for the Florida Marlins in their World Series run? Yeah, in 2003, yeah. He, uh, he absolutely killed the Cubs in the playoffs. I mean, I... I don't know what his stats were. I'm sure during the the seven games that the Cubs played in that series, he hit about 300. But I'll guarantee he had more than an RBI a game, and he probably had like two or three game-winning hits. And do I have the age right? Was he like a 19-year-old kid, right? Well, that's what they told us. Huh? That's what they told us. Oh, yeah. That that was nine years ago, which would mean they're trying to say he's 28 now, where you're still in your baseball prime, 33 or 34, so... Mm -hmm. At the, who knows if they were lying to us, because you know how those Latin players are. They, they have their agents tell them, okay, we, we're going to yeah. tell these people you're 17 and you're, and you're no longer uh, Hector Santiago, you're now Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> and, okay? Yeah. How's we get paid? Yeah, All I'll right. see that. So. By the way, someone told me if uh, Melky would not have gotten in trouble with uh, performance enhancers, we would have had two Cabreras as your batting champions in the two different leagues. Yeah, isn't that cool? Two M Cabreras. Yeah. Would have been... Uh, would have been at the top. Yeah, so. It's outstanding. All right, just some of those things I wanted to mention. By the way, the Chicago Cubs did win their final game. Brian LaHare walk-off base hit. They celebrate a little bit. So the Cubs, after a brutal season, do at the very end get a little bit of a sweet taste on their mouth, big dog, as the season comes to a close. Coach, I don't care. It was 61 and 100, or is it 62 and 100 and whatever it's still, it was, 61 and 101? Still nice to win. I felt good for the guys that they were able to win that last one on a walk-off. It's been a rough season. 
It definitely has. I was just hoping they get that 63rd win. They did. They couldn't do it. And, <laughs> By the way, no. Nope. I'm being serious. I, it really bothered me that they lost 100 games this year. It, it, I was hoping they wouldn't. That was the only goal as a Cup fan that I had them yep. had for them. I think that was a goal of the players too. You don't want to speak out on it too much because it's a little insulting. But I think the players had that mindset too. They just couldn't get it done. Uh, here's a not a good stat: no Cub pitcher this year. None. Won 10 games. That's that's not good. I thought the Marja had. Oh no, that's bad. Yeah. That's not that surprising. No, but, but it's uh, still you know how bad they're pitching his coach. They left Bolstead in their rotation for three quarters of the year. He was in the Cubs rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the guy right there. You know they're in really bad shape if you're giving that guy starts. I mean, I can understand five or six games into the year you kept throwing him out there when he was horrible. But after, like, game 20, when his ERA is still above 7, and he hadn't won a game yet, but he was, like, 0-12 at the time, every once in a while, if you don't pull the plug, it's because there's nobody else to put in there. Well, they're in horrible shape pitching, Mike. My only thought on that is I haven't seen Chris Volstead pitch enough, but if you give a little bit of respect to the baseball people that know him and not to the yahoos like us that watch on occasion, the fact that they stuck with him so long, Maybe there's something that the, the guys see there. There's something that they see, Not some kind of put. I mean, I'm with you on the outside looking in. It's like, what the hell? They keep throwing this guy, and he's unsuccessful time and time again. But the fact they keep throwing him out there, maybe no, there's something there. No, that's not why, Coach. That's not why. The only reason why they threw him out there all the time was because when Casey Coleman is your number one pitching prospect, what are you going to do? <laughs> who are they, they going to bring up? Yeah. That that really is truly the issue, Coach. And I know the whole, oh, uh, he's got a great sinker ball, and a sinker ball pitcher is has an advantage at Wrigley Field as opposed to other other uh, stadiums. Uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that. Like, I'm thinking he can get his act righted and they can figure it out. But, no, that's, mm-hmm. I don't think so, Coach. He's never been good. Don't forget, last year his stats looked exactly the same. Right. Especially was... they're going to figure out that his he's a 7-plus ERA guy. ERA guy, and if Robinson Cano and Derek Jeter and Mark Teixeira and Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera and Buster Posey aren't in the lineup for that team, they're not scoring seven runs a game. All right. I was making my best effort to look for a silver lining, Big Dog. Well, but no, no, that, that is actually makes it even worse. If you really think about it, who are the – what is the future of the Chicago Cubs pitching they have no pitchers in their system, even in the top 100 prospects. Okay, and it's Travis Wood and, and Jeff Samarja. That's the future of the Cubs pitching staff. Who basically, for a winning team, Samarja needs to be your three-four guy. Yes, exactly. He's a, he's a legit major leaguer, but if he's your one or your two, you're not winning a World Series. I would. Yeah, argue. and I don't want to sit here and just bash on the Cubs. I, I, I've done it yeah. all year. I was hoping to find you know, glimmers of hope and glimmers of light. And basically what we have is a glimmer of hope and glimmer of light out of uh, out of this subseason is the fact that, yes, their number one stud prospect, Anthony Rizzo, is a major league first baseman. I think we could all agree with that. So Yeah, we're, we're not sure if he's a star, but he, he is, I would agree, at, at worst, a solid first baseman, hopefully yeah, a, little, and, a little higher. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's what we're keeping our fingers crossed. We have... A scrappy winning second baseman yes. is Darwin Barney. Yep. And we have a streaky, fully talented shortstop that 
when he plays without his head shoved up his rectum is very good. <laughs> the problem is he plays way too many pitches and during yeah. the middle of the game just decides to put his head up his rectum. Yep. Other than that, I mean, like, do we know anything more about Brett Jackson now than after the six weeks he's played? Yeah, that, that's, Chicago that's, Cubs, you know? That's There's the most discouraging. Like, uh, I think I'm been... <laughs> the most discouraging thing is that of all the young players that came through, pitchers and field position players, really, you would think just, you know, on odds, a couple of them would show some potential, but it was a little discouraging that really none of the young pitchers stepped to the forefront that match, and quite frankly, none of the position players did either. No, no, and, and trust me, don't be, don't, anybody that is upset that Josh Fitters uh, didn't make it, it's about time just to give up hope on them. Yep. Okay, it's not one of your children, which you should never give up hope, yep. it's just, a wasted uh, third overall draft pick in the uh, Major League draft. Yeah, well, I, I will be. To, I would hate to look back to see who the Cubs passed up to pick Josh Bitters in that draft. Don't I mean, do that. I it's been a pain, painful enough season already. Don't do that to yourself. And I will, by the way, be sleeping with my uh, Tyler Colvin poster tonight in honor of a uh, season lost. Oh, well, uh, Ian Stewart is very happy that he's in Chicago and, <laughs> and has helped out the Cubs this yeah. year big time, though, just to yeah. let you know. Thrilling. Okay, don't right. forget, don't, don't forget your guy, <laughs> Coach. We all knew Colvin could possibly be a good major league player. He's actually going to be a very good major league player. But your guy, DJ Lemayhew. Yeah, I like him. This year, I know the Rockies were horrible. The, the three worst teams in baseball this year were all in the National League. It was the Astros, the Cubs, did, and the Rockies. How did my guy DJ do? I didn't. I saw his name mentioned a couple times, but I don't have a, a full picture. He played, huh? he played six different positions this year. And he's a solid uh, major league hitter. He's a he is a Mark DeRosa light. There's going to be one year in his career, about four or five years, he gets 500 bats and has a good season. But mm-hmm. he, can, if you can play six positions and be a decent hitter, you're a good backup major league baseball player. And the mm-hmm. Cubs gave up him and Tyler Colvin for Ian Stewart. Ouch! Ouch! That will not. It's, been, not a, it's been a rough year for the Cubs. Seriously, the, the yeah. trades have not been good. And that was Jim Hendry, not Theo, correct? Or no, that was that Theo. Was Theo. That Ooh. was one of Theo's made like Theo's made like three or four moves so far, oh and nothing has truly. We gave up Andy Kashner for Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo has paid off, but Andrew Kashner is going to pay off for the San Diego Padres. Let's mm-hmm. just get that straight, everyone. It's yeah. not like we gave up nothing to get Rizzo. We gave up a, a an electric right arm to get Andy Anthony Rizzo. So. Mm-hmm. In order to get Ian Stewart, we gave up uh, legitimate Major League Baseball players for a guy that has a bad wrist Two. and tweets all the time, all time. Two legit Major League Baseball players. All right, baseball season comes to a close. Me and the dog will be uh, following the playoffs, and it will be interesting to say the least. Tomorrow, the one-and-done games, that'll be fun to watch, and we'll uh, definitely talk about those, even though tomorrow is a football Friday, but we'll definitely preview those. Want to get into a little bit of the football coming up this weekend, Big Dog, but got to throw a note in. We meant to get to it yesterday. Uh, NBA, believe it or not, exhibition season opens tomorrow. Uh, the teams have been working out. Our Chicago Bulls, you know what, even without Derek Rowe, I'm getting a good feeling of the new bench mob. I didn't have that feeling three months ago. But I'm getting a good feeling that the replacements will be just fine. And, um, oh, the other point I wanted to bring up is I love, I don't know about you, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this. And basketball fans, 888-463-6748. I very much love the NBA addressing, significantly addressing the flopping in basketball. And they will be fining and suspending players for repeated offenses at 
flopping. They're trying to get rid of that, and I hope, Big Dog, that will carry down to college, high school, junior high. I hate the whole flopping thing. I think it's a good move by the NBA. I, I, I thoroughly and completely agree. I also think the NFL should do it, and A.J. Hawk should be uh, that's suspended. Because football games are totally different than a basketball game. My goodness, there's seven trillion basketball games for every team a season. Football, you only have 16 of them. But like when uh, when the people do the act like they got pushed by someone and go flying in front of the ref, and then the 15 yard penalty happens, like AJ Hawk did the Gabe Kareem. I think that I, all sports, all sports should try to eliminate flopping. If you act like somebody else hurt you and they didn't, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. It's one of the worst things you can do in sports. Yeah, and obviously. I'm so glad. The NBA is – all sports should take it up, Coach. It's going to be hard for the refs, but I'm assuming they'll be able to go to a review. So even if a ref does not call it, they'll review the tape. I'm pretty sure that'll be the case, uh-huh. and you can still find players. Uh, soccer, of course, has had that problem for years. I'd go a step further, Big Dog. It, it all started, of course, with, with the charging. With the charging. By, and, I, and I've told you this before, and I think what they need – to change the rule, the terminology, the strategy in charging, that in order to pick up a charge, you must make an attempt to be playing defense. I don't mind the foul. You know, if you're sliding over and trying to block the path and actually playing defense and you get run over, that should be a charge. What bothers me is when guys slide over with the sole purpose. Of just getting run into. Yes. You're with me on that? Uh, you know, that's that's... I like that. I like that discussion. It makes it easier for the referee. Actually, yeah. Play defense. Now you're watching hands and feet. Yeah. Make an attempt to play defense and guard the person, and we'll call charging. I'm not. You know, if you're just going to slide over and cover your groin allergy and hope for a uh, charge with a little help from the flop, sorry, we're not going to call it. Anyhow, it's a, it's a trend in the right direction. I think. You know, no, no, coach, you're you're right about that. But the problem is, can you imagine how much harder that is to call for a ref who it's, has that's, that's the problem. feet and the hand? Yep. So, the whole flopping I, I, thing I'm is put... right about that, but it's just going to be as an official who had called basketball games. I don't know if I, I would be very inconsistent on that because I don't know if I could do it. But I don't call charging that much. You'd have to really be. And when people are like, you charge, and I'm like, you fell on the ground. No, that was always a year funny. That's just funny you said that because when people would argue the most, it'd be on the charging calls, mm-hmm. like as me as an official. Yep. And I didn't call it very often. Yep. I forgot like, you were a. Uh, this, is inter- this is basically intermural, and you're getting in front of a 280 pound guy who <laughs> definitely can't stop. And you want me to call it? I can call a foul on you for stupidity. Okay. <laughs> you know what's funny is that, you know, you know John Smoltz is bug, soon to be Hall of Fame pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, one of the best pitchers of the 1990s. Yeah. He said that when he would go, when he was playing for the Braves, he would just go find pickup games, and he would say that, "Yo, I was the guy that would draw the charge." I'm like, "You would let people run into you?" He's like, "Yeah, all the time." He's like, "I always, I do whatever it takes to win." I'm like, "So in a pickup game, John Smoltz is out there with a bunch of guys like you and me playing basketball, taking charges from guys like me." Yeah. While he's a major league pitcher making ten million dollars a year, he's like, "Yeah, I did it all the time. I love basketball. It's my favorite sport." Giving <laughs> credit for bravery and. Uh... A little bit of character on the court, but uh, give him a lot of discredit for not being too smart. No, not at all. Million-dollar arm bracing your fall as you fall to the floor. All right. <laughs> Dog and a coach with you and the two guys at a mic show, TalkZone.com, 888-463-6748. Real quick, before we do a little football preview, I mentioned at the open of the show, I don't know if it was a knockout punch, Big Dog, but it was a couple of solid jabs. 
and he was staggered back in the corner. You know I'm a Barack Obama fan, but I'm also an objection objectionist, if nothing else. Mitch Romney wins the debate big time. Barack, wake up, Barack. Hello, calling Barack Obama. The guy sleptwalked through the entire debate, big dog. You don't want to be sleepwalking uh, during debates. I, I actually planned uh, a date with my my Lily Lilac last night, so I, I didn't. Uh, they actually had a debate on in the restaurant we were actually at. I went to a fancy place that uh, basically I got a free fifty dollars for, so I'm like I'm going to take advantage of it. Basically, nice. it was a half off deal. We paid fifty exactly. Uh-huh. Um, the only thing I heard is when I looked up, uh, I, I heard one statement. I was like, that is exactly what I wanted Romney to ask him. I mean, it was just amazing. I was like, all for four years, I've been hearing like all the like uh, liberals screaming, the the the. The economy was horrible when when he got in. It was that's why it's been six. And then I was like, "Well, if it was so horrible, why did he first thing he tried to do is go after try to change health insurance? Why shouldn't mm-hmm. he concentrate on the jobs?" Yeah. And that's what he asked him. I was like, "Well, thank you. That's 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 all I've said for four years, and I couldn't agree more." George Bush trying to fix the the problem when he was in office by throwing money at it. Oh, well, we'll give money to the bankers. The first bailout, don't forget, was with with Bush, and then Obama continued him afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And then it was funny. I was like, that's all I really needed to hear. I've been waiting for somebody to hear it for, say yeah. it for the last you yeah. know, six months. Finally, he, somebody did. He won the debate, but uh, we will see in the next couple of days that the more and more the actual allegations or facts or statements that Romney made are starting to be analyzed and, and to see if it actually comes to fruition. Uh, so we'll see. What res- residue and residuals, big dog, there could be a little little downturn for Romney, but clearly coming away from last night, if you were an undecided, and again, I say this as an Obama fan, if you were an undecided between the two and economy and jobs were your two biggest issues, uh, you made the switch, at least temporarily, uh, and Romney becomes your favorite candidate based on last night. We'll see if the polls do that in, but I, I think that's going to be the take. Anyhow, some I heard did hear one radio person say that uh, and this is really stretching because it was from liberal radio mm-hmm. that Barack Obama's a big Muhammad Ali fan, and the Muhammad Ali late in his career used the rope a dope, and that he purposely was kind of letting Romney go to the front in this one, and then he's gonna you know come back with all his good stuff in the final one. I don't think that's true, Not but uh, the rope a dope. You don't want to give anybody momentum yep, in a that's... political race. I understand trying to get somebody tired yeah. by giving them momentum, giving somebody actual uh, space in America, people's minds, yep. that no politician would do yep, that. I that, agree. That, but, so. but Romney did serve up a whole bunch of campaign commercial fodder, and he kind of walked into a lot of it. He flip-flopped on his tax plan, and he admitted on camera with a smile on his face that he's going to voucherize Medicare. And, I mean, those are huge issues for swing voters, particularly in the swing states. We'll see. He was very clear to say it's not going to affect anybody now, anybody that's near the age of 60, not to worry. But then Barack Obama, one of his better lines of the night when he came back, he said, well, if you're... You're right. If you're 60 or you know maybe 58 or 50, but if you're 54 or 55, you might want to pay attention to what I have to say. So that was one of his better lines. All right, uh, moving on, big dog. Football Friday tomorrow. We'll make our beat the schmoes football picks. But I just started perusing 
over the collegiate football landscape on Saturday, and I think you had mentioned you have a day off. You might be able to indulge in some of these games. This might be the best Saturday yet of college football. Have you, have you looked at some of the games? No, no, I, I, I have not, but I'm about to go to Vegas Insider to go check them out right now. Uh, Coach, I, very rarely do I get a – I only get a Saturday off at, like, when it, at 2.29 or, like, your 2.30 tour is canceled. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, i got to go walk to East Bank and watch it on the small television without any of my buddies. Well, more important, and my buddies are like Johnny Walker and, and Jack Daniel. <laughs> this week's going to be totally different. I'm telling you, I want to put the set the city on fire this particular weekend. So, how about uh, let me throw a few out at you? Louisiana State University, you might be familiar with them. They're a pretty good football team at Florida. Nice atmosphere there. I hope LSU has been sleepwalking the last couple weeks for a reason, because uh, sometimes you'll see a team just come out on fire for a season and a season, and then all of a sudden they start playing uh, like bad football against bad teams. That's what LSU has done so far this year, Coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't blame them last week, you know, by barely beating like Collison State and all this other people, but uh, – I, I like the idea that uh, they were laying in the weeds getting ready for Florida this weekend because, trust me, they're not laying in the weeds on anybody. Florida, mm-hmm. When Florida's on your schedule, you go all out against them. Going to be an interesting game. Phenomenal atmosphere there out in the SEC. Another tremendous SEC game. In fact, what I would place as the game of the weekend is uh, Georgia, the Bulldog. My pick to win the national championship this year at South Carolina. South Carolina almost got upset last week. They Caught fire in the fourth quarter, but they were someone. But what a matchup that is, Big Dog. Undefeated teams, Georgia, at the Gamecock. That, that's a phenomenal game, Coach. Absolutely a phenomenal game. Star receiver, by the way, for Georgia. I haven't seen him play a lot, but he's their leading receiver, Michael Bennett. Maybe you've seen him play Big Dog. Out, ACL, done for the season. So, Oh, that's a big loss. Yes. That is a real big loss for them. Yep. Uh is, 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 are you just sticking with the, the SEC right now? Because there's a couple other. Uh, Arkansas-Auburn might be a, a decent game. Uh, but do you're right, Georgia-South Carolina is the best game in that conference. But West Virginia yes. and Geno Smith go to Texas. Woo! Wow. That ought to be a really, really good game uh, coming up this weekend, too. That, who was the who um, what's gonna happen? Who was the first team that said, you know, a couple of the players smacking, like, we're going to show West Virginia what Big 12 football is all about. <laughs> and West Virginia beat them by, like, 40 points. I forget, was that Baylor? Or? Well, no, no, Baylor, they won 70-63. to 63 All right, it was, it was, it was before Baylor. They were Baylor. able to change their tires at their pit stops a lot faster than uh, <laughs> than uh, Baylor was. So. Yeah, but I love that. Yeah, we're going to show West Virginia what Big 12 football is all about. And they got hammered by, like, 40 points. Okay. Welcome to our conference, West Virginia. But uh, at Texas, Texas flying under the radar a little bit, Big Dog, but they've been winning games, too. That could be a tremendous matchup. Uh, another game that people aren't talking about is uh, they're both uh, Utah games this weekend, but USC versus Utah and BYU versus Utah State. Those games are going to be phenomenal this weekend. So. How about Washington? I think Washington is at Oregon. That's another good game. Washington... Oh, Oregon is better than Washington, but Washington is finally getting back to what they were 10, 20 years ago, and, they, and they're, they're a lot better team than they were like five years ago. So uh, Steve Sarkeesian is still the head coach. So they have a chance to beat Oregon. Don't think they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon, by the way, number two team in the country right now. Some people are already talking about an Oregon-Alabama national championship game. It's early for that, but if it ever came to fruition, that would be entertaining. To say the least, how about in the Big Ten, Big Dog, uh, Nebraska? 
at Ohio State. The Cornhusker coming off that comeback thrilling victory over Wisconsin. Somebody's got to beat Urban Meyer and the Buckeye. Well, I didn't know that it was the Nebraska-Ohio State week. That is awfully good. And for the sake of the Big Ten, it would be nice to have Nebraska beat Ohio State so we don't have the best yes. team in the conference be the team that can't represent us in the, yeah. in the Rose Bowl, which I'm starting to think the best team in the conference is, is Ohio State right now, and it's going to be one of those years where uh, we end up sending Illinois to the Rose Bowl. So. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I still have, oh. I'm still crossing my fingers, Coach, that um, Illinois nah. figures out a way to end Big up dumb. to the Rose Bowl this year. They, whatever they put in the shrimp salad is starting to have a residual effect. Stop it. <laughs> Illinois is going to be at Wisconsin, a downtrodden Illinois team coming into Wisconsin, angry after their 30-27 to loss. I haven't seen the point spread here, but... It's got to be like 20 points. Probably not that big, but it should be. It, it, I bet you it, it is in the, in the 20 point range. I, it I is? Found that. I, I bet you it is. Now, LSU is a two and a half point favorite over LSU. I'm starting to look at it right now. Uh, Ohio State's a three and a half point favorite over Nebraska. There's also another game that you haven't touched on yet that is uh, one of the biggest games in the city of Chicago. Uh, another Big Ten game. Uh, Michigan is a three point favorite at Purdue. That's only that's a, a three-point favorite. That's an ec- excellent game, by the way. And it's at Wisconsin. It started out at 11-and-a-half, and Wisconsin's only a 14-point favorite over Illinois. Okay. Uh, I, I coach that. That's a beat the smoke pick. It's still a lot. It's still a lot, but see, the Illinois can't say they, they've got no heart and they've got no hustle. Other mm-hmm. than that, they're okay. <laughs> Nice story, by the way, on Wisconsin. Uh, you know, they brought in the transfer, Danny O'Brien, to be the quarterback. They've replaced him. The kid who replaced him, Joel Stave, walk-on. Walk-on. Battled his way into a scholarship, became the number two quarterback over the summer, and they put him in when Danny O'Brien was uh, struggling a little bit, and Joel Stave, the blonde bomber, yeah. six feet, five inches tall with the scraggly blonde hair, got the... He's got the look. He's got the image. Uh, kind of a nice story, Big Dub. But he appears to be your quarterback of the future and present for the Wisconsin Badger. Yeah, and uh, in some weird way, I guess it kind of pays off that Wisconsin doesn't get two great 50-year quarterbacks yeah. in a row. That really wouldn't be fair to the rest of the country uh, or, or to the ACC. But, yeah, that's uh, he's, you're right. He's played that mm-hmm. same kid has played uh, decent football. The one game. That if this was 1988, 24 years ago, that we, we, we wouldn't have talked about another college game this whole entire time. All we'd be talking about is Notre Dame taking on Miami, coach. Notre Dame, shake down the thunder. Go ahead. I was just giving some I, background. I was say that's the, that game is this weekend at Soldier Field. And yeah. That should be, uh, you know what? It, it's it's going to be funny is when it starts raining, for a split second, the Miami Hurricanes will be like, we, we got an advantage because we're from Miami and we play in the rain. And all of a sudden, they're going to be like, this freaking water is cold in Chicago when it hits you. If it rains on on, uh, on Saturday, that's there's nothing more cold in the world. I don't care about an Arctic wind in your face than a fall rain in Chicago. That is the coldest thing in the world, Coach. Let those jerseys and pants... Soaking wet in, in, in October in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then let that wind start blowing and kind of cuts right through you. Yeah, this, and, Notre Dame's got a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, you're right. The Miami, Miami players won't be used to that. No question about it. Um, what was I going to add on that game? I had a uh, By the way, when it's that cold, players from Miami, from the U, they call that butt-naked cold. <laughs> Thank you for that description. By the way, kudos. I said it once before. 
and I wanted to make sure I was right. I reviewed the Notre Dame schedule. We've criticized them in the past for too easy of a schedule. When you get a chance, dog, take a look. Top to bottom, the Notre Dame schedule this year, solid. Oh, it absolutely is. Very, very. If they go, you know, two losses, everybody's talking about, oh, 11 and 0. They're not going to go 11 and 0. If they go 9 and 2 with that schedule, they should be in a BCS bowl. They are not backing down. Their very few weak sisters are playing solid teams and a lot of spectacular ones, USC, to come up down the road. Yeah, USC, Oklahoma, yep. Michigan, Michigan State. Yep. Uh, right there, those four teams, very few teams put that four uh, excellent uh, teams on their, on their actual schedule. Stanford on there, too? And then you talk about the Stanfords, the yep. BCs. The uh, the Syracuse they play in Syracuse this year. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and then they, they play the Service Academy. You know what? That Service Academies are a tougher win than than you might think. And I well, know they're yeah. not like Pre- but, Navy. But, Navy is down this year, but in the past couple of years, I think Navy's beaten Notre Dame absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, Northwestern at Penn State. It's a very interesting battle. Northwestern. Uh, you know, Penn State off their big win over Illinois. They appear to be on the rise. It's going to be at Penn State, so it's the first. Real proving game for Northwestern. Dog, I don't know if you're going to get a chance to watch it, but I watched a player that you will absolutely, this will be your new man crush. You will fall in love with this kid. Uh, and I was attuned to him by Todd Blackledge, who announced the Penn State. Who were they playing? Oh, Penn State, Illinois. Uh, who were they playing? Penn State. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Wisconsin I'm thinking of. That's the guy you're going to fall in love with. Wisconsin's linebacker. I think I got Tommy it right. Orland. Yes. No. You don't have to tell me about him. What's his first name? Uh, he's either Tommy or Toby or I think whatever. it's Chris. Chris Borland, number 44. Love that guy. guy. He was he was finished second in the Big Ten in tackles last year. Oh, my most goodness. Most importantly, he led in forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. That, Do you remember when he was a walk-on as a no, freshman coach? That was the first game I ever watched him play, and I said, well, big no, dog. No, 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 no. We've talked about him on this show. There's, there's right. no way. I've talked about him on this show. I forgot. This kid, when he was a walk-on freshman, he walked on and like they were like, "Oh, you make when you know they go through the the, the, the walk-on tryout." Yep. And literally, like they were like within like ten minutes, they were like, "Okay, you you made the team. Quit killing our walk-on." Seriously, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And as a walk-on that year at Wisconsin, he blocked like two punts, uh, a field goal, and had like four sacks as a freshman. And then all of a sudden, they were like, "Why don't you just go play?" And he's been playing ever since. So he was a walk-on. They didn't even get a scholarship because he was too small, Coach. He was like my size his freaking senior year in high school. He's unbelievable. you got to watch him play. And Todd, Todd Blackledge says he was amazed at the start of the broadcast. He goes, you could tell he was surprised. But he goes, watching tape this week, he goes, I- I've never seen a linebacker more active and involved than this guy. So I started watching him during the game, and he's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the quickest. But you talk about relentless. Getting mm-hmm. after he, he made one play where the announcers didn't get excited enough. There was a blocker in front of him, runner behind. He jumped over the blocker. Yes. And it wasn't again. It. He's not a phenomenal athlete. He jumped over the blocker because of his desire. I guarantee you, standing in a non-competitive situation, he wouldn't have come close to doing that. That was all game competitive. The same thing Brian Urlacher had. He jumped over the blocker. Dived on and brought the guy down on a solo tackle. It was a phenomenal play. Love the kid. You can't believe block on him. They showed another spot where the guy, uh, the running back, the fullback's coming out to block him. He runs right through the guy. The, the fullback flies into the guy with the ball carrier. And when the ball carrier was going down, Borland didn't tackle the player. 
he went right after the football. Didn't get it out, but you could just see the instincts, Coach. Mm-hmm. It was like immediately he noticed, oh, the guy's going backwards, he's going down, so I don't have to tackle him. And he just dove and tried to grab the football from the guy, from Burkhead, from uh, the Burkhead kid from Nebraska while he was yep. going down. It was The kid's amazing, Coach. And, and there is something to be said about, you know, what uh, the – Oh, as a linebacker, well, you have to be at least 6'3", you have to weigh at least 240, you have to run this speed. No, 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 no. Just like I say in quarterback, you have to be a leader of men. Well, when you play linebacker, you have to be relentless. You have to be the guy that doesn't stop. And he keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going. By the way, Penn State has a pretty good one. His name is Mike Mauti, M-A-U-T-I. I think number 47, he's pretty good, too. But, uh, all right, got to wrap it up, big dog. Uh, i got to survive one more day of jury duty, so hopefully... I get off and we can do football Friday, make our beat the smoes football picks. We didn't talk any NFL today. We'll get into a little bear preview with Jacksonville tomorrow. So uh, you got a day off today, right, Doug? No, I, I still am assuming I, I, I'm about to go lift some weights, and hopefully I have a tour at 6.45. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. I need as much money as I possibly can the rest of this year. So. Beautiful. Enjoy the day. Phenomenal day out in Chicago. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back. Add it tomorrow. Two guys at a mic talkzone.com. We'll see you then 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.